Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want to speak to you in the same context about the power of the Lord. You know, when we pray, and we are, I pray, we are hope, uh, hopefully people of prayer. Uh, when we pray, there, there's certain customary things that we mentioned when we pray. When we pray, we always pray in the name of Jesus. That is correct and that is right. Uh, during our prayer, we, we speak to the Father. Lord, if you would, Father, in the name of Jesus, do these things or grant us these things. And we also pray uh, and, 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 and seek the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that by the power and the anointing of your spirit, you would break this yoke or, or provide these things that we're praying for today. Uh, we also mention God's word. We say, Lord, uh, your word says, and according to the authority of your word, we speak over these things, Father, and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would respond to our petitions we're placing before you. And we pray this way. But there's another weapon of warfare that I want to mention this morning, and I know that some of us are customarily used to praying this way, but I know that some of us don't. Uh, if you're like me, sometimes we pray, as I first mentioned, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, His Word, His Spirit, and all these things. But we seldom mention the power of the blood. The power of the blood. And it's important always for us to never ignore the power of the blood of Jesus. How many know that there is power in the blood? The Word of God tells us, yes, come on. The Word of God tells us that there is power. And there are things that we're going to discuss this morning. I want to remind you. I want to encourage those of you who know. And I want to remind of you, uh, you those who maybe have forgotten. And I certainly want to uh, inquire you about this truth, those of you that do not know. That there is power in the blood of Jesus. I, I want to use uh, Matthew 26 as just a passage of opening and platform this morning for our conversation. Matthew 26 verse 27 reads as follows. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus had just gathered these men here for the last time that they would sit to have supper uh, together. And when he sits down with them, he immediately takes up the cup and he has the bread before him and he holds up the cup and he begins to speak and to explain about what is before them. Obviously, visibly displaying and metamorphically uh, uh, explaining to them as well that in the next few days he would be giving his life for the souls of men, for the forgiveness of our sins. But the point he was trying to make in, in all of this was that his blood was sufficient. That what was happening at this table was all any one of us will ever need. Those of us who would come to believe on him, all of us would only need what's at that table to be blessed and to live an abundant life as he promised in John 10 and 10. 
How precious is Christ, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to keep that in your mind. How special and how wonderful the Lord is to have spilled his blood on your and my account with purpose, with sufficient, perpetual purpose and effect that nothing else, no other altar in the world, no previous sacrifice in the past or in the present would ever do what the blood of Christ did for us on Calvary. You know, the Bible says that without the blood of Jesus, we would have no remission of sin. That is, there would be no forgiveness of sin in our lives. Because of the transgression of mankind in his denial of God's leadership in the garden, at that moment, all of us fell away from having peace with God. The lineage of humanity, because of the sin of one man, the Bible says, all of us were born tainted and distant to God. We spoke about that many times from this pulpit. And it wasn't until the sacrifice that happened on Calvary, that same broken heart that we broke in the garden by offending him and saying, we will not follow you and we will disobey you as Adam did on that day. That very same broken heart came unable to untangle itself from his love for us and gave his life on Calvary and spilled his blood for us. Then and only then and unto this day, ladies and gentlemen, we should rejoice because all of us in this room and the worldwide should they know, and I pray that one day they do find out, that until the day of Calvary, every one of us existing, every breathing soul upon the face of this planet has the greatest opportunity of all. And that is to once again come to the creator of heaven just in the garden and say to the Lord, Father, we come back to you in the name of Jesus and ask you to be our Lord and God once again. All because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We should be thankful for that every day. It was the blood of God's Christ, his son, that you and I today have so much to be thankful. Never, ladies and gentlemen, deny its power. Put your hand over your heart and let's pray together. Father, we love you and we worship you. Father, in the simplicity of this message this morning, give us a great truth. Remind us, Father, as the song says, wake up your children. Help us to know the reality, Father God, of the weapons of warfare, the security, Father God, the tools you have given us that we might be able to pursue with confidence and live the life of abundance you came to promise us in John 10 and 10. Father, I pray that we would never deny this power and those of us who do not know would gain understanding. Those of us who have forgotten, Father, be reminded and those of us who know, be encouraged to even more so today, lean on the power of your son's blood. For in it, Father, our redemption leans and relies in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I want to give you a few principles this morning for you to take home with you. And give you just a reminder of things that the power of the blood of Jesus can do for us. And I pray has done for you. But give you something to encourage you to believe that God can do in the lives of your loved one. Does anybody have anybody in their family that needs Jesus?
I see some people not raising their hands. Does that mean that everybody in your family is saved? You are very fortunate. Anybody have somebody in their family that needs Jesus? Come on, let me see some hands. We need to acknowledge that. Because if we acknowledge that, we're made aware of it. And being aware of it will cause us, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to do something about it. We are, we have a, we are a people of a great commission. And that is to reach out to those. And how easy is it and how convenient is it for us to first reach out to those in our own household? Amen. Amen. To reach out and then expand ourselves out to our neighborhood, then to the city, and then throughout the state. And ultimately, it's God's plan. Remember John in 3.16? What does it say? For God so loved the who? Amen. He didn't mention any last names. No particular city. No particular neighborhood. He mentions the world. Amen. And so he's called us to evangelize and to minister to the lost. And this is why this lesson plan this morning is important because this will equip you to do the work of Christ and reach out and not understand that not only for yourself the blood can do, but the blood can do for others as well. The first thing this morning is that it has the power to redeem. To redeem. By definition, redeem means to purchase back, to bring in anew again. When it was once lost, he redeems it. That means he put it together and he brought it back. I'm so glad. I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you are really happy because you're saved, but I'm happy I'm saved. Amen. I'm happy I'm saved. I'm telling you. To be this happy in my life, you need to understand who I was before I was saved. And I trust me, you will rejoice with me when I tell you I'm happy I'm saved. And you should be happy you're saved. Amen? I was remembering this particular song as I was writing this principle down. And it's a song that the church sings. I used to sing more so than now. But some of you may, may know this. And if you know it, I'll try to sing it for you. And it simply says this. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How precious is that flow that makes us white as snow. No other Found I know nothing but the blood of nothing but the blood of nothing but the blood of it has redeeming power. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus could have changed my life. And ladies and gentlemen, nothing but the blood of Jesus could have changed your life as well. He turned us around from a sure destiny of a Christless hell onward to a glorious place in the very kingdom of God. Remember the blood. It's not a cheap blood. It's not something we should trample on. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. First Peter reminds us, Chapter 1 and 18, for you know, just in case you forget, 
For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from em the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Remember, we were all born in sin. Every single one of us born of a woman was short of his glory. But it was not with perishable cheap things like diamonds and gold and precious metals. But with the precious blood of Christ the Lamb without blemish and defect. Somebody give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. The precious blood. Let us never ignore the power of the precious blood. It has a power to turn a sinner into a saint. Turn the destiny of one who is hell bound to make him glory bound. Hallelujah. Before we had the blood, those of you who study just a little bit of Bible know that there was the law before the blood. And the law was hard. The commandments were very hard. It was almost a curse, the Bible says, upon mankind. The law always reminded a man of how short he was from ever being perfect in the eyes of God. No one could be pure enough or good enough or holy enough to, to obey the entire law. The law held men in bondage, in a certain bondage. Because it constantly reminded us of our imperfections and how short we were. From ever living a life that would truly please God. But then Jesus came. Everybody say, but then Jesus came. And Jesus redeemed us. He transformed us. And the Bible says that from that moment on, we did not receive a spirit of bondage anymore. As the law used to have us. Or a spirit of fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. All because of the blood. The law had no completion. There was no finality to it. We know in Scripture, we are told that the sacrifices by the high priest, once a year, every year they would go and enter into the holy place with a sacrifice unto God and sprinkle the blood of that sacrifice over the altar. All for the sake of the remission of the sins of God's people. To set them free for that moment. But it was non-ending. It was not a perpetual forgiveness. It had to be done over and over again. The high priest one day would take a lamb. The other day he would take a dove. The other day he would take a, go a goat. Another day he would take an ox bull. He would take grain. He would take flour. All these things a sacrifice unto God. But it was never a finished product and a finished act. It would enter forever. Until the act of Calvary. When Jesus came. One act of the Lord. One deed. One willing sacrifice that he offered on your and my stead. Was enough to perpetually purify us and cleanse us. And prepare us to be glory bound. From Calvary ladies and gentlemen. Because of the blood a man is not separated from the presence of the Lord by sin anymore. Hebrews 10 and 16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with him after that time. That time of Calvary. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. 
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I could stay here forever. I'm so thankful that when it comes to our mistakes, God chooses to be forgetful. Aren't you? <laughs> I am so thankful that even if the devil mentions something I've done 30 years ago, the devil says, the Lord says, when? What are you talking about? Even if I say, Lord, you know, when I was 20 years old, I did this. Really? Well, that's news to me. Because he chooses to forget our iniquities because of the blood. Never let us ignore the power of the blood of Jesus. Never trample over the power of the blood of the Lamb. Our redemption is dependent on it. Had it not been for the precious blood, we would still be living in our sins and facing judgment and the wrath of God, every single one of us. But there came the blood. Can you say thank you for the blood? Secondly, His blood has the power not only to inwardly redeem us, but to transform us even outwardly. Sometimes we have trouble believing if people are saved. Because they continue to do the same things outwardly. It's an impossibility to live the same life. The Bible says that if we are in Christ, we become new and the old is gone. Hey, there's something going on right now on social media. And it's, you know, I want you to pay attention, ladies and gentlemen. And I want you to be in prayer. And it's time to learn about the power of the blood. Because we need to protect our children. Amen. We need to protect our children. We need to protect our families. We need to protect our school system. We need to protect the city. We need to protect the people. Uh, the devil is on a rampage. And let me tell you how he keenly is attacking now. Everything almost on social media is religious now. You notice that? Churches are popping up everywhere with this new idea of what religion should be. We've got Christian dance clubs now. It's a new move, they're calling it. Millions of dollars are being spent on nightclubs to have Christians go and dance the night away. Oh, but there's no alcohol and we don't allow cussing. You know what that is? That's their unwillingness to separate from the world. It's their unwillingness to walk on the line. And let me see how close to hell I can get without falling. I'm still safe, aren't I? That's all it is. Oh, guess what? Uh, you know, since you, you, you like alcohol, we make non-alcoholic beer. But it says beer and it satisfies you. And a lot of people don't see anything wrong with it. But when you look at the gesture, it says a lot about who you are. This is why we now vape. But there's no nicotine on it. But you can't get away from the habit, can you? You haven't been delivered from smoking, have you? Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. This is how keen the devil is right now. He's smoothing now. Who anybody who wants to marry their friend, you can go to whatever university and they're offering now clerical classes that you can get your license to preach, whatever, and you can marry your friends. And they have testimonies and posts saying, oh, I went and I got, it only took me six months and I got a, 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 a degree in this and the other and I married my two best friends. Really? You know what the Lord calls those? Hirelings. 
It's not a matter of diploma when it comes to preaching the gospel. It's a calling of the Lord. Amen? It's important to understand the power of the blood. We need to cover ourselves with the power of the blood. People need to be redeemed, washed in, and washed out. This is why Paul said his grace was not without effect in me. That means Jesus didn't come and touch me. And, and don't tell me you can't notice with what God has done in my life. Has anybody ever asked you once you came to Christ, what happened to you, man? You, you need to be honored by that question, not insulted. What happened to you, man? You're so different. You go like, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. He has changed me. He has changed me. You ever walk in amongst your old buddies and everybody is cussing up a storm and telling dirty jokes, but once you walk in, they go like, hey. Why is that? Because they know. Be honored by that. Don't turn around and say, well, you guys aren't talking. I'm leaving. Don't be all hurt. Your presence does demand reverence unto God. I said, your presence demands reverence unto God. Years ago, I went out golfing with a friend of mine. I used to golf back then. Can't even hardly bend down to put my shoes anymore. But he had a really nice friend with him, young man, good-looking young man, great guy. They were both in business and a really nice, educated young man. But I promise you, he had a mouth that was, I, I couldn't really stand it. And I'm, I'm not being delicate. I know people talk the way they do, and I'm not, I'm not making a fuss out of everybody. But we were together in the same caddy. We were golfing together, and every other word was a terrible word. And I couldn't hold it. And he didn't know I was a pastor. And so finally my friend said, you know, you know, I, I don't know if you really know him. This is my pastor. And he looks at me, and it stunned a little bit because obviously he was handling himself a certain way. But he kept going. And then I stopped him and I said, you know, some young man, I said, that's cool. I mean, the fact that I'm a pastor probably should mean nothing to you. But being such a fine man and you're educated, man, you sure got an ugly mouth. And it really demeans you. It demeans your friends. It demeans your new friend. And it insults the presence of the Lord. People need to be told. And from that moment, didn't hear a peep anymore he was talking but he was no longer being vulgar but we have to cover ourselves because the devil is losing respect it's coming into the church now it's coming in now to infiltrate what's going on in the church in such a way that sadly enough so many in the church are accustomed to it and they like it why because it keeps us like humpty dumpty on the wall I know you've heard that before from me. Maybe some of you haven't. I'll spare you. But just think of that nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Everybody know that nursery rhyme? I can't escape. I'm going to tell it to you again. I think somebody needs to hear that evangelical reach out. You learned Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, right? 
Well, this is my thought. This is your pastor's thought when I heard that nursery rhyme. And it simply said, you, till, you teach the children this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty what? Had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't what? Couldn't what? Yeah, he couldn't, they couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. You know what my thought was? What is that dumb egg doing on the fence? What are Christians doing on the fence? What are Christians doing? You'll be just like Humpty Dumpty. And you know what? That nursery rhyme really preaches a lot of gospel. Because it can be that one day God cannot put you together again. If God would put you together again and everybody else, they'll fail, put it, hell would be empty right now. But hell is not empty, trust me. So that nursery rhyme has a lot of truth to us. That should be a sermon altogether. Maybe I'll write something concerning that. But you should never walk on the fence with Christ. You walk well within the terrain of holy ground. Make your feet steadfast where there's nothing to cause you to fall. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. It can redeem you. Second, it will transform you. On the outside, it will change you. Remember that spiritual song, shackled by a heavy burden? Neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. Some of you know that song? Does anybody know that song? Shackled by a heavy burden. Come on, sing with me. Neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I'm no longer the same. Everybody should know this. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Jesus can never touch anybody without making him whole and transforming his life. When the blood of Jesus is applied over our lives, it will make the chiefest of sinners and transforms us body and soul into a new creature formed in the image of God's holiness. That all happens because of the sacrifice of Christ in the spilling of his blood. The law could not do that as Hebrews 9 and 13 says, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are unceremonially clean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered his unblemished, unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve a living God. The bulls and all the external sacrifices could not do anything to transform us. It would cleanse them for the moment. 
but only to have to come back again and do it again. But when Jesus came, you can get under the blood today and be cleansed once and forever. Hallelujah. All in the power. How powerful? As Saul, later named Paul, he was a murderer. He tried to destroy the church, but the touch of the blood of Jesus transformed him into an apostle of Christ. Talk to the soldier that stood at the foot of the cross of Calvary. He was one of them chanting, hey, if you are certainly the king of the Jews, deliver yourself and mocking him. But one touch of the Savior's blood, it turned his heart around, making him confess this truly was the son of God. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Never let us ignore that power. Thirdly. Blood has the power to give you life. To give you life. And life abundantly. Life abundantly. You know, it's no secret. This is common knowledge. Life in our uh, blood, in our life, in our, in our bodies means life. If you spill all your blood, obviously you will die. It is the source of life. Without it. Running and carousing through our veins, life will cease in our physical bodies. You cannot survive without it. If I can apply this into a spiritual sense, neither can we survive in true life without the blood of Jesus running through our veins. We cannot survive spiritually without the power of the blood of Jesus applied in our spirit and soul to keep us alive. You know, the Bible says... In John chapter 10, that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? Yes, he does. Take a look around and you'll see him hard at work. Killing, stealing, and destroying. Doing everything to confuse and to distract even, the Bible says, the elect. That means you and me. In the church, there are people today by droves walking out of the church. Statistically, in the world we live today, never has the, the faith system or statistic of faith been so low in the United States and the world. Because the devil is doing his hellish job. And people are unaware and ignorant of the facts of Christ. But we're told in John 10.10 10, that he came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said he came that we might have life and life to the fullest. Amen? You know how you get what's the key to life to the fullest? The blood of Jesus. It is through his blood. It is by the power of his blood that you and I can be freed to enjoy the life that we live upon the surface of this land while we wait for the second appearing of Christ. Without the shield of the blood, we become victims of anything and everything. You know why all these people that I'm mentioning today are falling to the side? Because they fail to cover themselves with the shield of the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. You know, blood is a very, very, very important element in our bodies. Whenever you get a wound in your body... The blood gets to work really quick to find healing uh, for you. 
it, it, it begins to work. It begins to form a scab immediately over whatever wound. And the reason behind that scab is not only to recreate a normal skin under it, but it also comes to protect from any infection. It, it comes to keep the flies away, not be able to penetrate into the fluids of your body, not to infect you anymore. When people continue to pull that scab off, this is when cuts and wounds become infected because they continue taking the blood, the, the, the hard blood, the scab of it off. And all of a sudden you have infections on your body. Instead of leaving it on and letting the blood do its work. Well, the blood comes in the same way into our lives, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes in a spiritual sense. It comes to form a scab of protection over us. Whenever the devil comes to attack us, whenever the devil comes to hurt us, somehow we begin to bleed spiritually. Quickly, the blood of Jesus will come to form a scab around you of protection, not only to recreate who you were and make you new again, but also to protect you from any influence outside that comes to infect you even more. People don't have to die of spiritual wounds. They don't. If they will allow the blood to do its work, it will give you fullness of life. It has power to heal in the same context as I speak to you. The blood has power to heal and to protect whenever a virus comes over. You know, the, sadly, these past few years, we lost so many people in the United States and around the world. And even some close to us, we saw people pass on to be with the Lord because of that ugly virus that we were hit years ago. But mainly, you know what it was that caused them to suffer and to die? Was their blood. It was weakness in blood. This is why the elderly were called to, to, be, to be taking care of extra. Because there are certain minerals and vitamins that are lacking. Now the blood begins to get weak. And so you become susceptible and more easily taken down by whatever virus it is. This is why we weren't too worried about young people. Because they're vibrant and alive and their blood is strong. But mainly you'll find that statistically it was people from 50 and up, 60 years old and up that passed away because of this ugly disease. But the blood of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, will keep your blood, keep you strong. It'll keep you healthy. It'll keep you strong away from whatever the devil wants to rise up against you. The blood of Jesus will protect you. Now what kind of wounds are you talking about, Pastor? Well, sometimes there are wounds of the heart. Maybe a word against you. Somebody spoke ill about you. There's people possibly even here today that have been broken and been hurt by someone who ill-spoke them, them. And you've been carrying that pain in your life and it's killing you. It's infecting. Listen. Apply the blood of Jesus. It'll heal you. It'll heal you. It'll begin to recover you. Maybe it was an, an unhonest and an ugly act against you. Maybe somebody did something to offend you and to break your heart. And you've been broken about the situation. Let, let me tell you, take my advice, apply the blood of Jesus. We've all been hurt that way, but not all of us die of that. There's people that have been hurt that will never get up again to serve the Lord because that, they got infected so bad because of that wound. But it didn't have to be that way. 
had they applied the blood. Maybe it's just an attack of Satan himself spiritually. Whatever it is, you can always apply the blood of Jesus. Let it wrap around you. Let it form that scab of protection around you. It'll be tender for a while, as most scabs are. They're tender when they're just forming. It's a little tender, and it reminds you that you, you were hurt there, and that cut there, you, you could feel it. But after a while... That scab will fall right off and you'll find out that there's nothing there. Maybe just a little reminder, but there's nothing there. Everything has been made new in your life. The blood can break those things. The blood can change those things. It can come to us and cause us to overcome. Colossians 1 and 13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? He hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom... We have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. Who has delivered us by the power, from the power of darkness. That's the power of the blood. The power of the blood. Some people will one day, I pray not, would stand before the Lord and say, you know, I would have kept serving the Lord, but they hurt my feelings. And I'm afraid that the Lord will say, what happened to the blood? It would have healed you. What happened to the blood? Well, I never applied the blood in my life, Lord. Well, that's why you got infected. All of us in life have been hurt a time or two. Can you say amen? Maybe some of us here today are suffering certain things. Listen, get it under the blood. There is power in the blood to protect, to redeem, and to progress us forward. The blood. You know, the blood has identifying factors, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that? All of us in the past, I'm going to be 65 pretty soon. And in my lifetime, uh, this science wasn't always available. I, I'm a real documentary kind of watcher kind of guy. I don't watch much TV, but I like to watch documentaries and learn stuff. <clears throat> but I do know that it wasn't until a few years ago that... Scientists came up with a whole idea of DNA. It was still in the 70s. They were still struggling, trying to find when something ever happened, let it be an accident, let it be somebody was, that died far away. They found somebody who was deceased. They could not identify him because there were no determining factors. A crime was committed, and they would not know because they needed actual physical proof. Somebody left a shoe, a shirt, or somebody left whatever that was identifying their wallet or some kind of ID to be able to identify them and, and bring them into that particular crime scene. But now you don't need that. Now it's the blood. With DNA, a man cannot deny his child. Amen? If somebody has been lost, and we've seen so many cold cases now that we've read or heard about, that they'll find somebody after 15 years and all they have to do is take a little sample of a blood cell and they'll find out who he belongs to. Amen? That's the remarkable wonderfulness of science. That, that, that thing like that. A criminal. A criminal can't get away anymore. I, I wasn't there. No, yes you were. Why? Because you left a trail of blood. And the blood will identify you. And it gets me to thinking, and I remember the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. Remember the Lord told them when the angel of destruction was going to come by and destroy all the firstborn of Egypt? You remember that? 
not only the firstborn of family, but also the firstborn of livestock and everything. A lot of people and a lot of things were going to die that day. But the Lord told them and gave them an identifying factor, an identifying element. He said, put the blood of a lamb, a spotless lamb, upon your door frames and your windows. Well, you may ask, why did he do that? Well, some would say to repel the devil's works. Well, I agree, because the blood of Jesus rebukes the devil and his works. But I believe there's something even more special and more intimate between God and his people. You know what it was to me? It was an identifying badge. It was an identifying factor. The Lord said, listen, put the blood of the lamb there and I'll know that you belong to me. I believe that when Jesus comes, ladies and gentlemen, He's going to look with those radiant eyes of his and look beyond our skin and see the DNA in our blood to see if the blood of his son runs through our veins. And that blood is going to be the identifying factor that says to him, this is one of mine. The Bible says he knows those that are his. I want to belong to him. I want him to look at me and say, you're one of my, you, take, you have the features of my son. I can tell you're one of my boys. I pray he does. And I pray he does for you as well. But one certain identifying factor in your life that must exist in order for him to be able to say that you are his is to know that the blood of his son runs through your veins. The power. Of the blood of Jesus. Don't ever ignore the power of the blood of Jesus. And finally this morning. Don't ever let anyone convince you. That there is no more power in the blood. The power of the blood of Jesus is existing today. It is still protecting. It is still identifying. It is still redeeming. It is still forgiving. It is still justifying. It is still healing. It is still protecting. It is still everything. It's keeping us safe. It's still all sufficient. Tell your neighbor his blood is all sufficient. Something going on in your house, just know his blood is all sufficient. Can I give you this one last illustration and when I read this years ago, I have it in my notes and I picked it out and I thought I'd share it with you this morning because it really speaks to me of how much Jesus loves us, how much Jesus loves me, and how much Jesus loves you that he poured his blood out for you. A family was once involved in a serious accident and Mikey the younger of two brothers was involved badly and badly injured in this car accident. And when they took him into the hospital, the doctors immediately found out that he had lost so much blood that he needed a blood transfusion. Now, Mikey had a brother just a little younger than he. His name was Danny and the doctor said, we need blood of the same blood type. 
And so they couldn't find any blood in that city at that time. He said, we have nothing we can give to this boy. So um, sadly, I have to announce to you that unless we find blood that matches his DNA, there's nothing we can do. And the father said, there's something else you must do. I mean, there's got to be. He said, well, we can examine your own life. Everyone in your family, see who has maybe his blood type. He said, please do. And he riled up his wife and family and the little boy. And, and his father got everybody in and told them what they were going to do. And the doctors began to draw blood. And they found out that the little one had the same blood type. As the one who was badly injured. And the doctor said, we can take blood from this young boy and give it to the other young boy and he will live. And so the family obviously got nervous because he was young and how could he, would he understand that? So the father didn't want to lose his other son. So he sat him down and he said, Danny, listen, son. You know, Mikey's really sick. He goes, yeah, I know that. Because he needs blood. Okay. And it has to be his kind of blood. And the only one who has that kind of blood is you. He needs your blood to live. Would you give him your blood? The little boy looked at him with watery eyes and said, yes, dad, I will. You will, son. You won't be afraid. No. So immediately they notify the doctor and they take the boy and they lay him next to his other brother. They immediately connect the IVs, IV to IV, and so the transfusion begins. And they're laying there and the father is standing between his boys and looking at the son that's donating the blood and the other boy that's receiving it. And of course, this young boy is sleeping and unconscious and this boy is awake looking at his dad he said, are you okay, son? He goes, yeah, dad. You're doing fine. And after a moment's time, a little Danny holds his father's hand. And he says, daddy. He said, what, son? When will I die? When will I die? And it was obvious at that moment that the little boy, what he understood when he came to a transfusion, but that we were going to take all of his blood out, that he would surrender his life for the life of his brother. What a special moment. When I think of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, and what he did for me, Jesus knew that I needed a certain type of blood. No other blood could redeem me and give me life. None. No other blood in this world could give you life. The only blood type that you could receive to cause you to live was the blood of Christ. And when the father asked his son, your brother is badly injured. Your sister is badly injured. And the only blood that can redeem them, that can give them life, is the blood that belongs to you, son. Will you offer it? And Jesus said, 
I am the good shepherd. No one takes my life. I lay it down. And Jesus gave and came and walked up to Calvary. And he connected his vein to humanity for those who needed and who wanted that blood. And he said, take this blood and live that abundant life I freely give you today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the power of the blood. We are alive because of the power of the blood. Let us never ignore the power of the blood. Never let us forsake the power of the blood. Never let us stop being thankful for the blood, the power of his blood. Never let us forget that we can always call on the power of the blood. Whenever we need someone to receive a transfusion, they don't need blood from us. They need blood from the Savior. And we can offer that to them. We have a license to do that. We are the nurses that God has placed here upon this earth to start IVs to the arm of Christ and connect them to those who are sadly dying without Christ and hope. But because of this blood, we have benefits ourselves. We can be redeemed. That is forgiven once and for all. We can live our lives protected we can be identified as his own children. We can rely on that endless, unending, powerful blood of the Lord. Jesus went to Calvary knowing he would die for us. He went to Calvary on that day knowing that we were the ones that needed the power of his blood to live for God forever. And ladies and gentlemen, this morning... To refuse that blood is to deny and to absolutely depreciate everything Christ came to do for us. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.